0: Lord, we come before you in prayer and, and before we enter into our time together, God, we just want to say thank you for the gift that you've given us, the gift of your Son, the gift of life eternal with you. Lord, we thank you for loving the whole world, each and every one of us. God, and for making a way of salvation for all those who believe. Lord, be with us this morning as we pour over your word. God, let your spirit fill us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning again. It's me again. Sorry. We'll mix it up from time to time. Today's not that day. Well, this is the final week in, uh, in this series before we gather to celebrate Christ's birth together as a church family on Christmas Eve And today's message is titled, The Heart of Christmas is Love. And the scripture we'll be working with this morning is Galatians uh, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Over the past few weeks, we've taken a look at the true meaning of Christmas, the heart of Christmas. And often we get lost in all of the isms. All of the, we might call them traditions, but there isms, whatever you want to call it, that are, that are associated with Western culture's idea of Christmas. But we know, those who believe, we know that the real reason, the real cause for celebration isn't any sort of gift that we find under a tree given by man, but it is the gift of Jesus. This is why we celebrate the free unearnable gift of salvation. And over the last three Sundays, we've we've learned that that we are offered the gift of hope in the middle of circumstances, any circumstances, because of God's faithfulness. We've learned that we are offered the gift of peace that Jesus' sacrifice makes available to us. We are made right with God, with ourselves, and with others because of Christ. And last week, we learned that joy is ours no matter the circumstance because God dwells within us. Because Jesus is God with us. And for this final week of this part of our series, we will take a look at at a theme within the scriptures that truly holds all of it together. At the heart of Christmas is the great love of God for each and every one of us. And here's here's the main idea is that at just at the right time, Jesus came into this world. He came to to free us from the crushing weight of sin. We could never be good enough. We could never follow the law well enough to earn salvation. So Jesus lived a perfect life on our behalf. And I don't know if you guys watch the news, but sometimes I ask, why? And the answer is just one word, love. Because of love, God wanted us to be part of his family, and out of love he adopted us through the work of Christ. We, those who believe, are now the sons and daughters of God. Well, let's, let's get into it a little further. When God sent his son to us, it was an expression of his unfailing and relentless love. His unfailing and relentless love. His love is a gift that is, <clears throat> it is almost unfathomably Thoughtful because it meets our greatest need. I know that we think that we have needs in life, but our, our our greatest need is to be free of our sinful state. It is a gift that is priceless because it could never be purchased apart from the Christ, the blood of Christ, and it is a gift that is timeless because the grace of God is is never ending. And above all else, above all else, as we travel through the next couple of weeks. Keep in mind that the heart of Christmas is love. The gifts of God are always right on time. Have you ever ever received a gift or a present from somebody who you just you can't believe how perfect the timing is. It's just you it's you can't understand how somebody understood what you needed right at that time. Maybe because of something you were going through or because of a need that was met. It was as if the giver just knew what your heart or your life wanted or needed. And The book of Galatians talks about the timing of Christmas. As Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, if we're going to be in a Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 right here, if you're there with me in your Bible. And it reads like this, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. From the moment creation was broken by sin, God began to move toward the restoration and rescue of, of all that he had made. And the Bible is an account of his divine efforts and faithfulness to set right the effects of the fall. Motivated by love, God partners with those who, who love and trust him to enact the greatest rescue plan in history. Paul wrote that when Jesus came and was born to Mary, The fullness of the time had come. It was the right moment in history to make a way for the world to be restored. And because of love, God was not content to sit back and watch creation suffer. He went great lengths to be with us and to make us part of his family once again. And what is perhaps most amazing is that when Jesus enters the scene, he meets us exactly where we are. And I mean that in scripture and in life. There's nothing that we have to do to be uh, more receptive or, or, or good enough to get to Jesus. Jesus meets you right where you are. When he enters the scene, that's where he meets us. Wherever you are, that's where he'll meet you. He was born under the law of God in order to redeem mankind from where we fall short of the law. Have you guys read the law? So we all know the Ten Commandments, right? But when they refer to the law... Wait, do we all know the Ten Commandments? I didn't see a lot of heads nod. Okay. When Scripture refers to the law, it's, it's more than just that. It's not attainable by man. He was born under the law of God in order to redeem mankind from where we fall short of the law. And in doing so, his perfect life met the requirements that the law demanded. Where we fail, Jesus is successful. And because of that, we are loved into the family of God. We are loved into the family of God. According to Galatians 4, the full expression of God's love is demonstrated in our spiritual adoption. We become children of God and brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are given all the privileges of sonship and daughtership with God as our father. Many of us live our lives every day missing the fact that God loves us. I mentioned this last week that sometimes I forget. Let me clean that up a little bit. I very frequently forget that God loves me. And I know that many of you do too. I know I'm not a- alone in that, in that mistake. Many of us live our lives every day missing the fact that God loves us. And when we don't take into account the love that our Father in Heaven has for us, it's not too long after that that maybe we forget that we are His family. Maybe we forget that we are His family. I know that this takes place in our our day-to-day life. You know, you go a long time without seeing somebody that you love, that you consider family, maybe somebody who is family. Family. And when you're reunited with them, whether that's at a wedding or a funeral or a reunion, you realize, like, oh, I, I forgot. I forgot that, man, we are family. I forgot that we have these ties that bind us. When we miss the fact that we've been adopted into his family, we have a hard time loving ourselves. And in turn... We have a hard time loving others who are also valued and treasured by God. And the reason the aspect of Christmas should, should, should not be missed, the reason this aspect of Christmas should not be missed, is because it is vital to our experiencing the fullness of life and love that God wants for us. In the book of Ephesians, if you want to turn to chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 in Ephesians, In the book of Ephesians, Paul tells us about the immeasurable value of being a part of God's family and being recipients of his love. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, read like this. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in. Christ, to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were first to be who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's unpack that. As a part of God's family We are made blameless in His sight. Our sins are washed away by His love. And God's will and way are made known to us as a father might share with his children. We are chosen to receive hope and salvation. And we are marked with a seal to ensure that we are filled by the Spirit of God and will inherit life eternal as one of God's precious possessions. All of this is only made possible by the arrival of Jesus just at the right time. Just at the right time to to one day sacrificially give his life on a cross to validate God's amazing love for us. When this love is freely received and this love is freely given, that love freely received is freely given. The reason that love must be at the heart of Christmas is, is because if we miss this being the central message of the season, In the midst of the lights and presence, we may never receive it for ourselves. And what is perhaps most tragic about this oversight is that we often give the kind of love that we perceive to be ours. And when we give the kind of love that we perceive to be ours, it's just not as good as God's love. If we have not experienced the grace of God, it is difficult to offer the grace of God. If we do not know the compassion of God, it is difficult to express the compassion of God. But when we recognize the kind of love that God has for us, it becomes the way in which we treat others around us. I notice this so frequently in my own life, not where I succeed, but when I fall short. That's kind of my thermometer in life. I tend to not notice when I'm doing well. I notice when I'm doing poor. Poorly. Are there any English teachers in here? Okay. One of the most uh, quoted of all passages in the Bible about love helps us to understand God's feelings toward us and the way we should feel about the people around us, our spouses, our children, our friends, our neighbors. And it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 1 through 7 read like this. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. all kinds of things, even good things, and miss the whole point if love is not our motivating factor. I'm going to repeat that one. We can get caught up in all sorts of things, even good things, and miss the whole point if love is not our motivating factor. Love, like we have been given from God, That kind of love should cause us to be patient and kind to one another. It should cause us to avoid being envious of one another or proud. Love drives us to honor others and to keep a cool head. Love is present when we avoid evil and rejoice with goodness. Love stops in the middle of doing something important to hug the child who needs their parents' attention. Love sets aside the decorating for the holiday season to show affection to the spouse who needs it. Love is kind even when hurried and tired. Love does not envy another's home or that it has prettier or fancier things that make it what it is. Love does not yell at the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful that they are there to be in the way. Love does not give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who cannot. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. That's a bold statement. That's an absolute statement. It's got that word never in there. Indicating that it's in perpetuity. It's not a sometimes statement. Love never fails. I was... uh, Talking with Jeremiah recently, it's been really cool, you guys. I'm going to get off track for a moment here, but it's been so cool to get to know him and his family and to get to serve with him and to see, to see God's love, maybe perhaps repair an old wound between two congregations. And Jeremy and Jeremiah and myself, we meet weekly right there. And we talk about the places in our lives where, where we've fallen short and we encourage one another with correction and, in, and in a way forward and with scripture and with prayer. I was talking with uh, Jeremiah recently and he mentioned that passage from, from Matthew 22. I use it all the time. Maybe overuse it. Terry uses it too. But it's, it's, it's that passage in Matthew 22 when the religious leaders of that time asked Jesus what the most important commandment in the law was. And Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, this is the first and most important commandment. And he goes on to say, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he punctuates that statement by saying, all the law and the prophets hinge on these two commandments. That's a bold statement. All the law and the prophets hinge on these two commandments. And what Jeremiah had mentioned is that so often he was speaking about himself, but immediately when he started talking about himself, I saw myself in his same sufferings. He said that so often we get caught up in, in the loving of others, of our neighbors, in saying yes to everything, that we forget that we were given an order of operation. So I'm going to read it one more time. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and most important commandment. And I, I thought like, oh man. He did say First. And I realized I'd been misunderstanding this passage for years. For years, I've been operating under the the wrong assumption that loving God is loving others, and loving others is loving God. I was treating it like one of those if-then statements. If this, then that. But that's not what it is. The first and most important commandment Jesus said is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And what I understand now is that if there is no first commitment to that first and most important commandment, then everything that follows will eventually fall apart. And that might happen slower or faster. There's no set prediction. But what I understand now Guys, this was like five days ago. I've been in seminary for like three and a half years. and Five days ago, I just got this. What I understand now is that if there is no first commitment to that first and most important commandment, then everything else that follows will eventually fall apart. And we love him because he loved us first, right? That's what scripture says. We love him because he loved us first. And we must love him first in order to love one another to the full measure. Because we are capable of loving one another to the full measure of the love that God has placed in us. But not if we don't love him first. Where we fail, Jesus is successful. What I love so much about this, this understanding, this new and fresh understanding for me, is it's just a reaffirmation of the fact that the work has been done. He loved us first. All we have to do is receive it. Friends, we are, uh, we are one week away from celebrating the birth of our Lord and savior on Christmas Eve, these next seven days will likely be hectic, hurried, and stressful. This is actually the first year in a long time that I'm, I think I'm ready, I'm ready-ish. But for a lot of years, like the week leading up to Christmas was like a dead run, going to the mall when people still went to the mall instead of Amazon and just, like, throwing elbows, you know what I mean? That's going to be a hurried and hectic and probably stressful week ahead of us. So remember that it doesn't matter what we're buying. Toys will break. Jewelry will lose its shine. But remember this the things of this world will pass away, but the love of God will endure. The things of this world will pass away, but the love of God will endure. So, this Christmas, look at the arrival of Jesus as the ultimate gift from God. It's the only one that matters. Giving and receiving gifts can be kind of awkward sometimes. Yeah. I don't know what to buy. We really don't even buy like wish lists, gi- gifts for one another. We just ask. Like, what do you want? Please tell me. <laughs> it doesn't need to be a surprise. We do heartfelt things for one another all throughout the year. Why why does this have to be some weird social exchange of purchased goods? This is what's cool about the gift of Jesus. It's the kind of gift where the only proper response is just to receive it. Just to receive it. Thank you, God. My prayer for everyone here today and everyone not here today is that we receive in our hearts that love that was freely given to us, that we might freely distribute it to others. And that it would cause us to live out that love every day of the year and not just during a a certain time of the year, a certain day or a certain season that that love would be transformative in our lives. Let's pray.